and I try to ask uh, myself, how does this company make, make money? And not because, uh, I mean, uh, that's the only thing that matters, but because when you start understanding the commercial logic behind a business, then you start uh, uncovering and understanding why things work the way they do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Investing City podcast, where the goal is to get better at investing, business, and life. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It really means a lot. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. The following is presented for informational purposes only and is not investment advice. This information must not be relied upon in making any investment decision. Investing City cannot be held responsible for any type of loss incurred by applying any of the information presented. Furthermore, securities discussed in this podcast may be held by Investing City and members thereof. Thank you. This week, we have the pleasure of speaking with Gennaro Cufano. So he started a blog called 4-Week MBA, and he has a ton of great content on business models. So in this episode, we talk all things business models, we get a clear definition of what it is, and then some different frameworks that you can think of when evaluating businesses. Enjoy this one. Okay, on this episode of the Investing City podcast, we're pleased to have Gennaro Cufano. So thanks for being here. Well, pleasure, Ryan. Pleasure to meet you. Great. So let's just start off with a little bit of your background and kind of the origin of Four Week MBA. So how'd you have the idea and just start with a little bit of your background? Well, it's a, it's a long story because if I go back to, uh, you know, when I was uh, around uh, 16, 17, I knew that I wanted uh, to become an uh, entrepreneur. So I wanted to, you know, build my business, uh, start my company uh, and just, uh, you know, as, as a way for me to, to gain as much uh, freedom uh, as possible. But uh, then, you know, coming from a family where uh, my both my parents were, you know, uh, on one end, my mother is a doctor, my father is a professor. For me, the most uh, normal path was actually to go uh, school, study, uh, get a university uh, law degree. And then after that, you know, I figured that in order for me to actually get into the uh, the, the the entrepreneurship world probably it made sense also to to get my MBA. So I went from uh, uh, from law as a lawyer to get my MBA uh, so that I could um, push myself into the corporate finance world because uh, I um, you know was thinking that if I managed to, for instance, invest my money in a way that uh, could uh, work, I would uh, manage to, you know, be not only, not only an entrepreneur, but also someone uh, who managed to, to, to build a successful career as an as investor. But uh, the, the long story short, when I went through my MBA, uh, it was uh, back in 2011, uh, actually I found myself going uh, into a sort of a rat race where, uh, you know, I, I started to, to, to work for, for uh, several companies and, um, you know, I, Rather than going into the, the, the journey of becoming an entrepreneur, I uh, pretty much uh, started to become more like a, a corporate uh, animal. And so that's, uh, that's where uh, sort of the, the four-week MBA project uh, came to be. Uh, I had already the idea back in 2012-13 when I was uh, working as financial analyst in San Diego where I wanted to start a project on the side as a sort of, uh, you know, like a digital marketing project project. Uh, because you know, at the time I was getting acquainted with the, with the digital marketing stuff, but then um, you know I I was working full time and I um, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't get the chance to get started until 2015 when I resigned as a financial analyst and I started my own project. But honestly, it didn't uh, take off until uh, really 2018 uh, when um, I really started to look at, at, uh, at business modeling um, and uh, entrepreneurship as, as primary ways uh, for, for me to communicate how companies uh, worked. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a uh, long story short, and uh, that's uh, what uh, For Week MBA is today. It's really a platform where, uh, at least I try to have it as, as a content platform where you can find any sort of content, uh, both if you're an, an analyst, so if you're trying to understand more how tech companies work, but also if you are uh, trying to build your own business, or for instance, if you're a professional which wants to uh, advance in, in, the, in the career, uh, and, you know, you want to become a manager, executive, and so forth. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much on my end. Uh, there are many other things that uh, I really summarized uh, a 10 years journey into, into I guess, a couple of minutes, but uh, that's, uh, that's uh, my journey. So I went through many, many um, uh, things and different, um, uh, really different uh, journeys that brought me here. And um, as of now, actually starting in 2017, 2016, I also, um, you know, became uh, uh, on a, as a full-time job uh, head of business development for a startup, a tech startup in, in Italy. And so uh, that also was my reasoning, my actually uh, way to, to get into the tech world and understanding more and more about uh, tech companies because that's what I do uh, all day long. Gotcha. So thanks for that background. And I just wanted to ask a question on, so you started four week MBA in 2015, you're saying, but it didn't really take off until 2018. Just tell us about those two to three years where maybe you weren't making much progress. Just tell us your mindset and how you kind of overcame maybe a slow start. Well, there were uh, several uh, reasons why it didn't take off. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, I, for instance, I, I try to, to um, um, you know, w- one of the most important aspects, I think, when you're starting a business, it's really to find your perspective. Uh, you know, we may call it positioning, whatever you like, but uh, uh, in technical jargon, but uh, it's really important to understand uh, what perspective you can bring to the table, which adds value to people that are trying to learn uh, from, from you. And so back in uh, 2015, I was uh, still uh, too much uh, focused on the, on the finance side, the investing side, those kind of things, which you know I, I liked, but um, they, they were not really uh, the thing that uh, I was most interested about because uh, really at the end of the day, the reason why I dissect uh, companies' business models and look at this topic is because I want to become a better business person. So it's a more holistic approach. And that's why you know business modeling, it's uh, something that helps in understanding, um, you know, uh, how to become a better uh, better business person in general. Of course, you can use uh, frameworks and tools from uh, business modeling to actually do many other things. For instance, in your case, I think you're more like focused on the financial side, the investing side. Uh, and again, it's it's very it's very useful to leverage on um, understanding business models. But uh, on my end, it really was about uh, uh, gaining um, a business education that uh, would have brought me to to become a better a business person rather than just you know, a corporate uh, corporate animal, which was uh, uh, what happened when back in you know back in uh, 2010, 11, I was trying to uh, to to get into the um, entrepreneurship world. So I just found myself drifting away from from that uh, perspective, from that journey. And um, again, so um, on those years, uh, like uh, 2015 uh, up to 2017, 18, I. 
really left aside a bit the project because I was working, you know, full-time uh, developing a new business, a tech startup, so it was quite uh, challenging. In the process, I realized that the importance of, uh, of uh, positioning, so understanding your perspective when you're starting a business, I understood the importance of distribution, and I also understood the importance of, um, you know, um, di di um, diving into the companies. Uh, any company business model because at the end of the day whether you are a salesperson or you are an entrepreneur or you are like an analyst understanding how uh, companies make money what what drives them uh, and but also what are the incentives behind those companies and what push them uh, in, in uh, going in certain direction I think it's very important uh, to, to to gain a deep understanding of the business world and uh, that's uh, where uh, you know around 2018 I decided to focus on that because uh, I, I was I was thinking okay what, what do I do now do I get uh, again out from the job market and uh, get a PhD on the topic or uh, do I do my own research and based on that I'll document everything and I created the sort of business school that I always uh, dreamed about and that's how for we can be actually that's what I'm what I'm trying to, to bring the, the for we can be so really build the sort of business school that I was looking for at the time and that uh, you know I I, I did find many useful things in the MBA. I, I, I still think it's very, it's a great program for many reasons like uh, networking and uh, really meeting uh, great people that will be probably your friends for, for, for uh, your whole life. But really, uh, I wanted to build my own um, business school and that's where the, the four-week MBA, that's how I'm developing like the four-week MBA. So if I'm proud of what I'm building, then um, I can have more people join in and uh, you know they can get excited about what we're doing is because because I, I love what I'm doing in the first place. That's great. So I want to kind of dive into the definition of a business model. On your site, you talk about how it's not simply just how a business makes money, but you talked about it a little bit ago, how incentives are important also. So just talk a little bit about how you would define a business model. Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, mm, you know, the definitions uh, are important when they help us uh, really understand the reason why we need uh, that concept in the first place. And uh, as any, uh, any sort of concept actually is going to gain a definition based on why you're going to need it. Um, and by starting from a negative definition of a business model, Actually, uh, I, I try to start from, from the negative perspective because uh, once we uh, take off what a business model is not, then you can really understand what it is. So a business model is not just a revenue, a revenue um, generation strategy. This is a confusion that uh, in the startup uh, world, it's, uh, it's uh, pretty common. So if you look, for instance, at the startup uh, pitches of many companies, including companies like, uh, for instance, Airbnb, you're going to find that in the business model slide, they have things like uh, how we make money. And again, it's fine because if, uh, if the objective of, of uh, uh, that uh, description is actually to get money from investors and then, uh, you know, simplifying the definition of business model at you get money, then it's fine. But if you're uh, internally, uh, if you're thinking about the business model as just a way to make money, you're limiting your options. So a business model, it's a way more holistic framework. Is not a business plan. Is not uh, the way you make money, but it is also the way you make money, uh, and um, it's uh, it's really not uh, a marketing plan. So a business model, it's a more holistic framework. And again, if you were an analyst, probably you would define a business model as a way to uh, evaluate companies. For instance, if you were to look at it from the perspective of someone like uh, the Modern, which is one of uh, the, the the most um, known people in the valuation world, 
you would probably uh, you know use business models to actually put a dollar amount on a company so it would be a way for you to to assess the value of, of a company but for a business person a business model it's really uh, to a way uh, an holistic framework to understand how companies in general work and for an entrepreneur which is trying to start a business a business model it's really a framework to validate an idea quickly uh, make sure that uh, that idea is actually there is a potential customer base for that idea and then launching a few experiments to validate your business model. So again, there are several definitions that we can adopt depending on the kind of uh, perspective that you have. Um, and so if you, if you were you know, an analyst, for you, it's a way to, to understand how much is worth a company. If you were uh, really a business person, it's a way to understand how companies work. And if you were an entrepreneur, it's a set of frameworks and tools that you can leverage on to actually start uh, your own business and uh, uh, you know, uh, being fast in, uh, in validating your ideas and your business model. Great. So do you have any favorite business models? Because objectively, certain business models are better than others. Just some, uh, there's different pros and cons to each one, but there's some that you really find yourself drawn to. Well, I, uh, I've been studying uh, several kinds of, uh, of models. Um, I recognize as a business person the power of, uh, of um, advertising uh, hidden um, like um, business models like uh, or companies like uh, Google and Facebook, which are really highly uh, profitable. So if you look at them from the financial from, from the purely financial standpoint, you realize how profitable those companies are. But then uh, if you look at the sustainability of a business model like that, especially for a company like Facebook, where you know more than 99% of uh, the company's revenues are coming from advertising alone, and as you can imagine, the monetization stra strategy does influence the overall business model uh, that uh, might not be sustainable over time. Uh, I think uh, I, I have um, you know a preference for uh, those uh, business models which really uh, become and have the potential to be sustainable over time. Um, and although uh, there are business models like platforms that uh, are very good in scaling up. Those uh, same platforms at a certain threshold, they, they can become actually, um, you know, um, harmful because they can uh, th think of the case like a company like Facebook. Uh, today, for a company like Facebook, it's very important to keep innovating and experimenting a lot. At the same time, uh, when you experiment at the size of a company like Facebook, each experiment that you undertake is actually very risky for the company because there are like, uh, potentially millions of uh, millions of people that can can actually um, witness to the experiment that you're running through and actually that can affect also society so the point is um, there is not really i don't have really a preference in terms of business models i do uh, I, I would love that companies would try to at least differentiate their business models if they scale up and uh, really uh, try to avoid a certain uh, scale because uh, when you scale to a, a certain threshold then again uh, your uh, your company becomes very risky because it's very hard for you to run any sort of experiment and uh, it's not easy to renew your business model over time. Uh, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but uh, that is my thinking process. Gotcha. So just diving into that a little bit more, how or do you think about platforms different than maybe a subscription model? So you have this threshold you're talking about with the platforms, but just talk about maybe another model like the subscription model. Yeah, I mean, the, the point is, um, 
each uh, business model is going to be really um, a combination of uh, several several things. Uh, it can be based on the choice, of course, of the entrepreneur, which is building the business. For instance, for me, I knew that uh, the four-week MBA would not become a media business, meaning that uh, I was not going to sell advertising as primary uh, as a primary revenue generation strategy because it was not uh, in fit and in target with uh, the kind of business that I was trying to build. So really, uh, it's uh, first uh, really a choice. Um, a second point is that uh, really uh, you need to experiment a lot. For instance, uh, as when I was talking to Ash Maria, which is the, 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 the author of Running Lean and is uh, also the, the creator of the uh, Lean Canvas, which is a variation of the business model canvas, he highlighted how early on it's very important to start um, experimenting, especially on the revenue uh, generation strategies, because those are among the most uh, the most uh, risky assumptions, because as we see in the startup world, we see companies that go on and on for years without making uh, any profit. And so uh, when you look at the difference between a business model like a subscription and a platform, those are two very different, mod different models. And uh, of course, a subscription right now is uh, less prone to, to scale up. Uh, because, uh, for instance, if we think of a case of a software as a service company, unless you start using a, a sort of a freemium uh, model where uh, you have a free version of your product and then uh, you have a paid version of your product, really uh, the, the company is not going to scale uh, uh, usually at a huge, uh, you know, huge scale. Of course, we have, we have many exceptions of company, companies which are built on top of a, subs a subscription model. And I think the more we're going to move forward, the more people will get used to it. And so uh, the more it's going to be possible to build a, to build a multi-billion dollar company on, on top of a subscription business, just like, for instance, Netflix. Uh, but it's going to be true also for, for uh, other kinds of uh, business models. But really, the, the primary difference is that uh, platform business models usually can take advantage of uh, uh, network uh, effects. So if you think of the case of a, of a company like Facebook, or for instance, if you think of, of the case of a dating app, um, the more uh, users join the platform, the more the platform becomes valuable. Because for instance, if you're able to find your next uh, date uh, within uh, your city, because there are enough people joining the platform, of course, those network effects will make the platform very valuable. So again, platform business models are very prone to scale uh, they can enjoy, uh, you know, network effects, subscri subscription-based um, models instead are more, uh, you know, you need to be, uh, you need to understand, uh, you know, you, you need to be very specific in understanding what kind of customers uh, you're targeting uh, because you need to make sure that your funnel is ready to, uh, to target the right kind of people. For instance, uh, if you take a company, a company like uh, like Slack, right? Slack has, 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 uh, uh, runs a subscription model on top of a freemium. So you have a free version, and then, of course, you start paying the, the subscription for the service. And uh, if you look at the company, uh, that generates, uh, you know, most of, um, it, it has a very wide marketing funnel, which uh, gets in a lot of, uh, of, uh, of people, but many of those are not uh, qualified to become uh, paying uh, customers. And so Slack has uh, hired a lot of salespeople in the last years to actually process a lot of those leads, uh, which uh, is very actually expensive to, to process if you don't have uh, a, a qualified lead generation strategy. So what I'm saying is that uh, you can also make it work with, uh, with um, uh, less aggressive marketing strategy if you know uh, who is, uh, is, who is your, your target customer and also with a subscription, subscription model which is less uh, prone uh, to scale. And you talk about a qualified 
lead generation. So if you were leading Slack, would you do anything differently or is that just kind of the nature of their product? We, you, we need to understand that, for instance, uh, many people confuse uh, freemium model as a sort of uh, uh, revenue uh, generation strategy, but in reality, a freemium is really a marketing tool. So it's really a growth uh, tool. So it's a tool to, to uh, get your brand out there. I mean, if uh, probably Slack didn't have a freemium model, uh, you know, uh, it, it wouldn't uh, be uh, as popular as it is today. Uh, at the same time, you have to know that when you have this kind of model, then uh, over time, um, you start, um, uh, your company may not be profitable uh, right away. So, for instance, an opposite example of Slack is, uh, is a company like uh, MailChimp. So, MailChimp is, uh, is an email automation uh, software. And MailChimp didn't start with the freemium right away. It actually started by building a very strong uh, subscription base. And then it went back to offering a freemium model when actually the company was, uh, was strong enough to, to be able to support this kind of model. And yet, uh, you know, MailChimp is among uh, one of the, the most recognized uh, brands when it comes to, to email, um, email marketing and email automation. So I think it's very important to understand that the freemium, you can leverage on that, but it doesn't work in all the circumstances. And really what it is, it's, it's a marketing tool. So it's a growth strategy more than a revenue generation strategy because, again, if you're bringing in a lot of people, but those people are not aligned with your, with your business, they're not going to convert in paying customers. And then what is going to happen is that you're going to need a lot of uh, you know, marketing people, sales people to actually try to, to make that funnel profitable, but uh, that is not uh, going to work for sure. So it's risk, but if you if you are if you are aware of that, you have the resources to actually grow with that kind of uh, organization, then it's fine. So let's transition a little bit and talk about the difference between business model canvas and the lean startup canvas. So can you just talk about the differences between those two? Yeah, I think uh, those are those are two. Uh, you know, both are uh, great uh, great tools. And, um, you know, in, in general, uh, I think uh, the, the business model of Canvas uh, is, uh, is uh, more, uh, um, I think, suited to, at least for me, again, you, you can use it uh, uh, also to, to build your, your own business. But honestly, when, if I have to start, if I have to analyze an existing business, I personally like the business model of Canvas. So just to give a bit of context, those are the business model of Canvas. It's really a framework, an holistic framework to understand how a company works by looking at uh, nine uh, primary uh, building blocks. You know, those go from uh, key partners up to revenue streams. There are like nine building blocks. I'm not going to mention them all, otherwise it's going to take uh, too long. But um, the, the key point is that with those uh, nine, key, nine key building blocks that go from, you know, understanding who, you are, who are your key partners to your value proposition and customer relationships and customer segments, up to understanding your revenue streams and cost structure, you can pretty much understand any sort of business. I mean, and this is a good uh, solid uh, framework that you can use to analyze any business. At the same time though, if you are trying to start a business from scratch, I like more the Link Canvas by Ash Maurya, as I mentioned uh, several times on four week MBA, uh, because um, that really uh, makes you focus on understanding the, the, the sort of uh, problem that uh, you're trying to solve first. And then after uh, really focusing on other things like the solution, the existing alternatives, and who will be your, your uh, you know, uh, early adopters. So um, I think those are two great tools. If you were to analyze an existing company, so if you were to use a tool for understanding an existing company, so if you are an business model canvas, 
if you're an entrepreneur starting from scratch, I think the Lean Canvas is uh, better uh, suited. So those nine segments are definitely important. Going off of that a little bit, talk about this concept of an old business model into a new segment. So I was reading one of your posts and you're talking about how the wheel is not a new invention, but it took hundreds and hundreds of years for people to actually put that on the bottom of a suitcase. So are there any examples that you have of an old business model being applied to a new market? Well, I mean, there are there are many. Also, if you think about the subscription uh, business model, which right now is, has become one of the most uh, uh, innovative uh, businesses, uh, I mean, this is not something uh, new. I mean, uh, today you take uh, you take anything, you you transform it into into a service. Uh, you know, uh, just like many companies do, so software as a service um, um, and many other businesses, and uh, you have uh, what we call an uh, innovative business model but again i mean the subscription model is not something new if you think about uh, the gyms uh, the 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 gym industry that that is a model which has been existed for for quite some time um so uh, there are many many examples um i think uh, what's the, the the main difference today is that uh, we can combine uh, technology so um, we can combine technology with the new revenue generation strategies uh, to actually try to to offer a different kind of experience to 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 our customers because at the end of the day there is the the primary um, i think uh, difference between now and um, what happened in the past so the web enabled people to have a, a sort of a, you know enabled us to to have a more bottom up um, approach to things uh, and so it enabled us to 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 build uh, new businesses on top of old uh, old industries. So, if you take, uh, for instance, uh, before Apple uh, came in and uh, let's say you know a sort of buzzword which is disrupted the, the music industry, you had to buy an entire CD and listen the whole uh, CD, even though you liked just a couple of songs. And then, and then you know Apple came in and it applied uh, um, what uh, we call the innovative way of consuming music by enabling, enabling you to just uh, get a single, um, you know, uh, a single song and um, purchasing it at, uh, at the minimum price. And then, uh, you know, it came uh, something like Netflix, which uh, started to, to build on top of that to offer uh, like um, more of a subscription service to to, to consume any kind of uh, content. So, um, so there, there are, again, it's, uh, I, I, I think uh, most of the things that we do uh, come from the past. The, the primary um, difference is that uh, the way we combine things up, so is that the business model innovation, it's really about combining different, um, different patterns uh, these different different business model patterns to come up with a, a sort of a innovative recipe. So it's really about combining those things up and coming up with uh, something which is different, but uh, that in many ways borrows uh, things from from the past and from uh, other other industries. A little bit ago, you mentioned how the formation of a business model kind of works, and you said it sort of starts with the entrepreneur, and they have a choice of what they want their business to look like, and then there's a lot of experimentation, and then as you just talked about, there's kind of this combination of different patterns, maybe from the past, based on new technology platforms. 
So just trying to get kind of down into the weeds of how, how are you supposed to think about how these nine different segments of the business model canvas, how do these things all play together? Or do you have to just look at each one separately? Well, I mean, uh, those um, now, um, w when we look at companies um, like tech giants, like Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and so forth, uh, of course, those are very complex companies. So for instance, if you have to use um, a tool like the business model canvas or any other tool, actually you use this as a model that simply simplifies things. But for instance, if you look at a company like Amazon, uh, actually Amazon has uh, several business models at once. So on one end, you have uh, AWS, which, uh, which you know, has uh, its own ecosystem, which is primarily based, for instance, on uh, developers, more technical people. And um, it's really a different thing compared to, to, for instance, if you look at Amazon as an e-commerce company. And in that case, though, uh, Amazon AWS initially actually was a key component for Amazon uh, success because actually it was the internal infrastructure which enabled Amazon to host third-party e-commerces on, on the Amazon platform. And I argue that, you know, we, 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 can, uh, we could really start calling Amazon a platform when it started to, it started to sell uh, more and more things from uh, third parties, even though right now if you look at Amazon, it's going back to actually sell more uh, things which are branded as Amazon is another process that, you know, we can go on another time. But uh, what, I, what I mean is uh, big companies, large companies, if we look at them, uh, they have several business models within them. Same for Google, Amazon. Uh, even, even if you look at uh, Facebook, uh, probably um, it's, uh, it's uh, less complex, but still, I mean, it's, uh, it's quite complex uh, company. So the way you want to look at it, I uh, usually when I go through a company uh, business model, I don't have, I don't like, uh, I mean, I like those tools, uh, like the business model canvas, if you are an entrepreneur, just to uh, manage to have a simplification in mind. But then uh, I think uh, you need to really look at them with a bit of creativity because, uh, because um, you need to understand what things are tied together, what things are not, and what segments, for instance, are, are more related, what are not. For instance, if we go back uh, at, at an example like a Google business model, there is, of course, a Google, the search engine, which uh, if we look at it, uh, you know, in the past, uh, we, knew, uh, we knew that um, among the, the key, uh, the key, the key uh, partners of uh, the search engine, there were also, uh, you know, publishers on, on one end and users because, of course, they were not uh, paying customers. But still, those were very important, probably even more important than paying customers because if you uh, take a, a business model like Google that makes money, we're talking about the search engine that makes money through uh, advertising uh, advertising and so there are like uh, companies paying google uh, you know to to sponsor uh, their their product on the search engine results actually we understand that really the primary asset of the company are not those customers but are actually uh, users on the one end and they used to be publishers because they could provide a lot of uh, free organic content to make the, the, the Google listing very attractive for users. So it was a sort, sort of a flywheel where the more publishers could join in and offer relevant content, the more Google could index a wider amount of uh, quality pages and the more the, the search engine became valuable for users and at the same time it became valuable for advertisers because they could uh, actually pay, um, they were willing to pay more and more to, to be sponsored on, on Google. So again, I think the way to look at it, it's um, really to, to understand the, the, the sort of uh, uh, how things come together. 
So yeah, you want to rely on a framework, but then at the same time, you want to have uh, your own way to look at uh, those companies to understand how some segments uh, are, you know, are tied, some others are, are less so, but I think it's very important that uh, you have your own uh, way of thinking when you do uh, when you go through those companies, which are like big companies. If we were talking about uh, smaller companies, then uh, again, a tool like the Business Model Canvas, it's very useful, and uh, you need to look at it uh, in um, in a more um, in in a way where things are mostly connected. So um, you 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 want to look at uh, you know the smaller companies and understand how, for instance. Uh, key partners contribute to the bottom line of the company and at the same time what uh, you know what segments of the company make more sense because for instance those are more profitable and then you know that the company is going to be pushing more on those because the management is actually aligned on those uh, uh, you know on those segments that are more profitable because that's where the key customer is and but we know at the same time that if you want to keep innovating then you need to push also on things that are less profitable but you know have a high potential and that actually can make your business uh, irrelevant in the years to come. So it, it's very complex. It's not. It's not easy. I realize that uh, it's not. It's not simple. So it takes a lot of, um, you know, uh, creativity, understanding of several aspects of any business, from looking at uh, corporate structure, uh, organizational, uh, you know, uh, structure, understanding uh, the, the the way um, key financial metrics, how to look at key financial metrics, what's the the, the cost structure, and also to look at uh, several. Uh, ecosystems that uh, those companies uh, create. So, hope it makes sense. Are there any companies you're mentioning, smaller companies, that you've been really impressed by that really seem to have a good understanding of business models and business model canvas? I don't have any particular uh, company uh, in mind. I mean, there are li like many uh, smaller companies that uh, have been extremely successful. I Personally, uh, tend to to like uh, more uh, companies that managed uh, to scale even uh, without necessarily having a venture venture funding. So just to go back to the example that um, uh, you know we we uh, I, I mentioned before the Mailchimp, a company like Mailchimp. I think it's interesting because uh, uh, you know uh, it's uh, it's mostly I think it's mostly bootstrapped, which means you know it mostly grew to understanding customers and. For for the future, I think uh, we're going to be surprised to to look at um, uh, many companies that not necessarily will have a massive scale, but uh, you know we reach also a multi-billion-dollar valuation by managing to bootstrap the the business. So understanding so much well their business model and their key customers that they manage to grow uh, with the resources provided by the customers, with the financial resources provided by the customers, rather than just relying on venture capital money, um, which is not the only way to, to grow business. So personally, I like more that side um, because I can identify more with that kind of way of doing business. But um, there may be many examples right now. I don't have any particular one in mind. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but are there any things you do on a daily basis, like daily habits that have contributed to your success? Well, my success is a, is a, big, is a big word. I mean, I'm still trying to figure many things out. Uh, of course, uh, for WeCanBA so far, it's working out. It's, uh, it's a success for me because, uh, uh, because I, I realize every day that uh, it is adding value to, to a lot of people. I get many emails, messages and stuff. Right now, I'm building up uh, also the, the, the business school, which um, is going to become a very important side also 
of uh, the project. Um, personally, uh, I can tell you a few things that uh, I, I think are important to me, uh, not necessarily for you to become successful, I don't know, because it, it, really, do, it really goes uh, back to, to uh, the, the way you want to build your business, uh, what kind of uh, uh, person you see yourself to become in the future. And uh, in terms of habits, probably really I, I like to look at um, uh, as many businesses as possible, uh, just trying to understand how they work. And I try to ask uh, myself, how does this company make, make money? And not because, uh, I mean, uh, that's the only thing that matters, but because when you start understanding the commercial logic behind a business, then you start uh, uncovering and understanding why things work the way they do. So I think uh, for a business person, understanding the, the commercial logic behind any business, it's very important habit to, to master. And you can do that you know, by reading financial statements. You can do that by... Uh, looking at the company's website uh, by looking at their uh, data to understand uh, what they're doing uh, right uh, by reverse engineering uh, their strategy, their business strategy. For instance, uh, how is that uh, they build uh, their distribution strategy, how they're actually uh, growing, uh, how they actually manage to, to, to get to a point where, for instance, the company was not growing and then suddenly grew what happened. Um, was just a matter of timing or there was something more that I can understand about it. So really being uh, curious and understand as much as possible about things that are around you. Well, I think that's a great way to end this. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, uh, we can do that probably again in the future. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening. You can find more information at www.investingcity.org where you can sign up and subscribe for our email newsletter that goes out every Tuesday and Friday. And you can also follow us on basically every social media platform on the face of the earth. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us an iTunes review as it really helps us out. And with that, have a fantastic day.